So, we're a grateful family on a mission, and that's the, our theme as a church, and it's a great, great, it's a great theme, it lines up with scripture, we are a family, we belong to the family of God, and you, you might be visiting here today and wondering, I wonder who God is, well God presents himself as father, and he wants us, he wants to be our father, and he wants us to stop living as if we're orphans, as if there is no father of us, I know you have a natural father, obviously, but... He wants you to know that there's someone at home in the universe. It's not just a great big black empty universe. There is someone at home in the universe. And uh, he calls us into his family. He makes us a gathered community, as we like to say. And we enjoy uh, one another's company most of the time. And uh, because God brings all kinds of different people into his family, people we might actually not relate to unless it was in among the people of God. So we're a grateful family, but we're on a mission. He has called us, actually, it sends us out as scattered servants, another phrase we like, gathered community, scattered servants. And we go out uh, to invite other people to come home into God's family. And so last week when... And Adrian Horner was here. He quoted a, a verse from an Old Testament prophet called Micah. There's a slide for this, and it's chapter, from chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. And this is a verse, actually, of gathering the community and then scattering the servants. Because it's saying, I'll surely gather all of you, Jacob, that's speaking of the people of God. Jacob is, was renamed Israel. I'll surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I'll bring them together like sheep in a sheepfold. And... Uh, like a flock in its pasture, the place will throng with people. That's the gathering. And then the one, this is the one who's gathered them, who breaks open the way, will go up before them. They'll break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. And indeed, that is so much what happens, whether it's going out in food bank or healing on the streets or with the just a helping hand with reaching out to homeless people or countless other things that our church and, of course, many other churches break out in. So God is working with us and the stories we heard earlier about God breaking out. And then also Adrian spoke about us being like pregnant, which again is something we've spoken about, that we feel like we're pregnant, giving birth to something in here, a new way of, slightly different way of expressing church. And that that pregnancy thing does ring, ring true for me. We have a couple of guys in church pregnant, not least our dear sister Maureen here, who looks just about ready to, to, to come out of the oven, as it were. And um, but as you know, I have a daughter due on the very same day as Maureen. So I just kind of size Maureen up because I don't get to see this daughter. I get a sense of what she must be looking like. And... Um, and so, and, and Adrian spoke to us about the preparation that happens when there's pregnancy, doesn't there? So I, you know, we talk with Emma on the phone and she's decorating this or painting the cot, her, her cot with the cot we used to have for her and her sister. She's having now for her baby, but she's going to paint it with special child safe paint, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And Elspeth, who loves to knit, if you know Elspeth, she's a fantastic with knitting. She knits amazing things and she's knitted a a fantastic little elephant, a little um, uh, caterpillar, and then whole loads of clothes. I've got a bag of them here because it's just it's just brilliant fun. But she's got them all wrapped up to take with us after the baby's born, and, and some are like absolutely tiny little hat look. What? Oh, isn't it just? I know. Lo- listen, loads of you ladies do things like this, and there's a teeny little cardigan here. Um, this, I think, the baby might already be bigger than this. Like this is just. I 
don't know. It's just, uh, but you know, she's every eventuality. We see, you don't know whether it's a girl or a boy either. So that's that they're going for the surprise. But it's just great fun, isn't it? That kind of thing. And a new life is just an amazing miracle. Um, but you wait such a long time. Pregnancy is very prolonged. And they waited a long time to get pregnant. It was just was wonderful for them because they just actually got an appointment to go and have investigation for maybe infertility, and she fell pregnant, you know. So, so God was good to her in that way, and God can answer those prayers in a variety of ways, but that's how he did it with her. So we're a generous people. I felt I preached a few weeks ago about... Isaac back in the book of Genesis um, digging wells and then finding there was quarrels over the wells and digging another well and there was more quarrelling and he digs another well and eventually they don't quarrel about the wells and I think it's our calling to dig wells to dig wells to find the water of life to connect uh, people who are hungry and thirsty in our world with God's greatness, with his goodness, with his mercy with his life and so uh, we will flourish in the land we will flourish in the land. So here we are meeting in Revive and um, and then as we gather here, Duncan you have that picture like of a container that we should pour out very generously you were saying something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that's really my theme today, give and it will be given to you. That's right, with the measure you use it will be measured to you. And you your word was a word to use a big measure in what we give, yeah? Yeah, I think it was exactly that. It was it was just don't worry about it. Just if you're concerned about give 100% give 100% yeah yep I, I think God loves us when we just are all in don't, don't you think in fact is there's something very exhilarating about being all in and so often we, it feels like cool and sophisticated to be very measured to be a little in but God loves people who are all in you know, and um, there's different ways of getting into the swimming pool. There's the method where you step down, and it, oh, it's a bit cold, and, and step down a bit more. Or the same getting into the sea, only if there's big waves, it's a little harder to do the slow method of getting into the sea. But it's often a lot better to get in quick, isn't it? Just jump in and um, uh, and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I love I love people who sit in the front row because I kind of feel that people who sit in the front row are people who are saying, "I'm all in. I want everything I can get out of this." It doesn't mean if you sit in the back row you don't think like that. But but I just I just notice where churches where things are really happening, there's a big love for getting in the front, getting right there. So uh, I do encourage you in that. Now. There was a story of a young man whose parents had a small holding and he became a Christian and he had an idea. He wanted to be generous towards God. And so he brought he bought two chickens. One was white, the other was red, as it happens. And he announced to his parents that one of these chickens belonged to God and all the profits from selling the eggs from that chicken would he be giving to the church. And they asked him which chicken was God's chicken. And he said it didn't matter because he was going to be treating both the same. Anyway, a week or so later, he came in uh, looking quite crestfallen. And they, his parents said, oh, what's the matter? And he said, well, God's chicken has died. <laughs> and, so he had a certain measure for these things. And um, what measure are we going to use for things? Let me just get more of my props out from under here. We could kind of think... Um, as I kind of deal with God, I could use my little, I don't know, half a teaspoon. How about we start with that? 
or we could you can move up. Have you got these sort of things at home, various different sections up to tablespoon and all the rest? Or maybe you're going to go, we could go up to, you know, a few, you know, a litre or something like that. How big are we going to use in our measuring? Or we could get a bit bigger still, we could really start going for it. And God's inviting us, how big are you going to go? Because in terms of, uh, actually, how big does God go? Right, because when he gives us himself, you know, there's most things in life you can say you can have too much of something, can't you? There's chocolate, you can have too much of, beef, even lettuce, you must be at carrots, you must be able to have too many carrots. And you might turn orange, mightn't you, or something, if you ate too, I don't know. Most things you can have too much of, but there's one thing you cannot possibly have too much of, and that is the goodness and grace of God, the person of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. You cannot ever overdose on God. And uh, so that is fantastic. So in Luke 6.38, there's a slide, Kyla, that says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We live in a world where a lot of people feel very desperate, where a lot of people are very uncertain whether there is a God in heaven at all and if there is one, whether he cares at all. But we are here to say that we have found there is a God in heaven who cares, who does want to pour out upon us blessing upon blessing, who wants to pour into us. When it says lap here, I'm a bit of an OCD person, so I'm thinking, I don't want sticky stuff on my clothes and on my lap. But you know, what they had, they had flowing robes and, and they didn't, when they went to buy stuff, they didn't have plastic bags. I mean, neither do we these days, do we? Because you have to pay for them. But um, they didn't have bag for life even necessarily. But you had a belt round your cloak and you could pull your, your coat up and create a kind of um, pouch in which you could then carry things home which you had bought. And that was what they did. And that was your lap, as it were. And so God is saying, uh, you know, a good measure, pressed down, given it be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. God is wanting us to receive his mercy and his goodness in great abundance. And so let's just look back at, at earlier in this passage. If we go back to Luke 6, 31, I think it might be the next slide. Do, uh, the, the, Jesus is preaching here, he says, do to others as you would have them do to you. This is called the golden rule. Right? Do to others as you would have them do to you. A lot of people quote this and don't even realize it was Jesus that said it. And there's quite a few other religious leaders and philosophical leaders um, down the centuries before Christ and after who said something similar, but not usually the same thing. Actually, quite often it's what's called the silver rule, which is something like, for example, Socrates, if you've ever heard of him, he's a philosopher. He said, do not do to others that which you would anger you if others did it to you. But you see, that's the other way around. It's just saying, avoid doing things to others that would annoy you. That's a lot easier than what Jesus says here, which is do to others as you would have them do to you. That seem, this seems to me to be a bit more um, uh, demanding, right? A bit more, it kind of squeezes me a bit more. And, and the same you often get with these other characters who say a statement something like this. So Christianity is not so much refraining from bad things as actively doing good things. That's what Jesus says here, isn't it? Do to others what you would have them do to you. So we could perhaps um, make a list. Um, what You could sit down with a piece of paper, couldn't you, and think, what, what would you like other people to do to you, for you? Now, 
you, you could trivialise and say, well, I'd like them to do the washing up, make my bed, uh, you know, but let's kind of think a little more sensibly and big scale. What would help you? What would encourage you on a given day? What would you, what would you like? What, what would, uh, uh, and of course we can also think about the silver rule. What, what do you not want people to do for you? What would hinder you? What would discourage you? What does discourage you? What, what do you dislike? What, and actually we could actually think this through, couldn't we? Could we make a kind of list of the sort of things we could, we could do to other people? We could think, if, if I was homeless, what would I appreciate being given? If I was, if I, if I, when I am sick, what would I value uh, happening? If I was out of work, if, if my wife's just had a baby, if, my, if, if, my, if a family member's in hospital, what would I like to happen for me? And it's insofar as we do that, and this happens, doesn't it, in life? This really happens. People see those situations and they think, oh, I could make a meal. And, and so people say, oh, we've got a freezer full of meals people have given us and things like that. I've had that told me because we think in that way. And we, we could then think about people's attitudes. What would we like people's attitudes to us to be? Um, how would we like people to talk about us when we're not there? Well, we can do the same for other people, can't we? We can speak about them. In, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I cut it past. <laughs> you didn't want to be sneezed over, did you? Phew, that's good. <laughs> And Father God's even given us a bit of a head start with this because he kind of worked out, you know, we said, yeah, I don't really like being murdered, right? So he said, thou shalt not murder, right? So in other words, do to others as you would, or don't do to others as you don't want to have done to you. Is that, is that right? And so um, do, do we love it when somebody notices we've done a, a job well done? Well, let's notice and do that. Or uh, do you find it annoying when somebody scratches your car? Yeah, that's annoying, isn't it? And so in the Old Testament it said, you don't covet your neighbor's stuff, right? It's what, what is scratching a person's car other than coveting in some way? It's some kind of distorted something or other. So uh, people, uh, so, so we could just say, you know, that could be the whole Bible actually, couldn't it? Do to others as you would have them do to you. That would be the only Bible we would need, you'd say. And my sermon could have finished ages ago. I could have just read that out and we could say, oh, of course. Of course, of course. <laughs> but the trouble is, we read that, but we don't end up doing it, do we? And that, and that, that is what Christianity tries to address. Of course, other philosophers just don't, they say, oh, isn't this wonderful? But they don't, they don't deal with the fact that people don't do it. They think if only we had more education, people would do it. Or if we had more punishments when people didn't do it, they would do it. Or something like that. But this, God, the scripture deals with how we are to be changed. So uh, Jesus goes on. And and you can see in verses 32, 33, 34, which Kylo you can put up now. Jesus recognizes, he announces this golden rule. And then he says, you know, but the trouble is you're not doing it, mates. Right? If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And... If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. It's not bad for us to love our own family members where we have some reciprocal love. But 
he's saying it needs to be more than just reciprocation. It's got to be, it's got to be something that's one-sided. Because Confucius also said something like the golden rule. He, he's a Chinese guy, isn't he? Ancient Chinese philosopher, Confucius. Uh, but he's, he, he started it by saying the word is reciprocity. In other words, it's give and take. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not give and take, it's give. And, and that's so deeply challenging, isn't it? It's so deeply challenging. And so he says, um, verse 35, um, but love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Ouch, that is so hard. That is really hard. That is, that is, that is tough because when there's somebody who seems to have had it in for me, I find it very difficult. I, I'm, I work hard on forgiving them and things, but to try and actually actively do good to them, that sometimes seems very hard. But I see this kind of thing happening, nevertheless. I see it amongst Christians. I see it amongst other people, amazingly, by the common grace of God at work in their lives. People being extraordinarily forgiving. And while sometimes when there's atrocity, people say, well, we can never forgive other times there's some atrocity and you just hear people saying that they want to forgive and often actually they are Christians and you just think, oh man, that is so stunning, that is just so amazing. The recipro- saying it's reciprocal is not enough. God didn't say it was reciprocal in that sense. He said, I'm just going to be, he came to be a blessing as we were singing about. So uh, what's to be done if we feel a bit stuck? Right? We're getting out there, we're doing things helping with people who are sick, with healing on the streets, helping people who are homeless a little, somewhat helping in different ways, making meals, offering to train people how to cook who don't understand or know about it, were never trained as a child themselves. And we're doing that stuff. But how can we grow if we're a bit stuck in that? And you, it's interesting, verse 36, verse 35 to 36, uh, it says, it says, When you do these things, when you love your enemies and you do good to them and you lend to them without expecting anything back. Oh, I find it difficult to lend things without expecting them back. Um, It says, then your reward will be great. That There is some kind of bounty in this for us. And and what is it? You will be children of the Most High because he is kind. He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. So be merciful, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. He is so uses such a big measure. He doesn't come like this with mercy and have a little bit like this. He, he, he comes with great oceans of mercy. Here is love, vast as the ocean, as we sometimes sing. Loving kindness as the flood. When the Prince of Life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. And so he invites us to be incredibly generous because that's in the family likeness. It's to do with being children of God. This comes from our identity as God's children. It doesn't come because we try hard. It's because we come to realize, actually, that's what we do. We we are able to, to, to love because we have a heavenly father, because the Lord of all things who has all... Uh, who, who owns everything, who has all the resources. He is the one who's our father. And that is why we can be so uh, generous with our uh, mercy. So this, this identity, we are being brought into the likeness of Christ. So um, we are image bearers. I've got a whole, there's a whole ver- lot of verses in the Bible about we, Christ being the image of the father, Right. 
and then saying to us that we are being made into the image of the Son. We're being made like Christ and we are enjoying sonship. We're just as much sons of God, daughters of God, as Jesus Christ is the Son of God because we have been adopted and adoption is just, is, is just as amazing. It's a, it, in law, right, adoption establishes, it cuts off that child from all previous parents and permanently makes them the children of those new parents. And that is what God has done for us and can do for us as we put our faith in Christ. So as image bearers, we start to increasingly show the family likeness by being generous and so uh, Adrian mentioned last Sunday evening, Adrian Horner, at the event that we had over in Shepparton, about God make, bringing us that we don't live in a house of judgment, but we live in a house of mercy. And this is what you, we see described here in this passage from verse 36 and then into verse 37, where God has said, be merciful just as your father is merciful. So he says, do not judge and you won't be judged. Do not condemn and you'll not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you and some of you are probably saying well, hey hey wait a minute Andrew you've you've been saying this is not about reciprocal but this kind of seems like some kind of trade here and um but I want you to think about that with me because I don't think we earn God's forgiveness by being forgiving I think it's more that because we are forgiven we get into this forgiving thing and because we have received we get into this uh, giving, we get into being generous. There's a generosity that comes to us because of God's great goodness to us. And, um, you know, it's much easier to be kind to grateful people, isn't it? Do you agree? I mean, Ted and Daphne, who died over Christmas time, they were quite easy to love, actually, because they were appreciative and stuff. But other people are they're a bit more difficult to love. And... Um, and so we need help to be able to step out in those situations. Where, where, where does that help come from? Well, it comes as we get the family likeness, as we spend time with God, who is so merciful and kind, who's kind to the wicked. Isn't that incredible? That's what it says. It says he is kind. Verse 35, he's kind to the ungrateful and he's kind to the wicked. What an amazing God. What a stunning God. And, and, you know, one of the reasons why I, I find that difficult is if I'm thinking that I'm a very grateful person and a very good person, so of course it's very easy for God to love me. It just isn't true. And all the time I'm thinking that, I'm living in some kind of delusion and deception. And, and I, I've, I'm, I'm in a mistaken place. And I, I'm thinking that... For God, it was very easy that he didn't really need to die on the cross for me. It's all the other people he needs to die for. But that, that would be mistaken. He had to die to, to bring us into the enjoyment of his sonship. He had to die as we've been singing in these songs. And that includes me. And th- to be passionate in worship is to be passionate with that sense of how incredibly needful I am myself of his mercy. That, that, that I indeed was weak and my sin was crimson. 
that he has washed me clean. He has forgiven me and oh how I needed forgiveness and how much I wanted that forgiveness. I came to the place by the Holy Spirit where I knew I needed it and the Holy Spirit can sustain us in that place where we know we need to be forgiven. Because when we know that and we receive that forgiveness, we then don't look at other people as being uh, inferior people. We feel uh, uh, we're beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. And this is a good place for us to be. So we actually experience what it's like to be God's children when we really realise, I'm an orphan, I'm lost, I'm, I, I need his forgiveness. So our generosity doesn't earn God's generosity. Our generosity shows that we have received the fact that he is generous and we can't outgive him. And we need, dear friends, to be drunk on his mercy and goodness. To to drink deeply of it. To to, to let him come actually with his container, which is enormous, and pour it out upon us. Because actually, we, every single one of us, we need this mercy. And we don't realise how much we need that mercy. And to, to, to come and lift ourselves up and to bring ourselves. That's what we do when we're coming in worship. We're coming and saying, I'm, I'm coming to receive mercy. It says, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Get hold of his mercy to you and you will be enabled more greatly to be merciful to others. Because you'll be so, you, you just feel so amazingly privileged you have been given mercy it's an extraordinary privilege and maybe think back to some time in life when you you do recognise you, you majorly failed in some situation you made a promise you completely blew it you broke it and, and, and you did care about the fact you, it was somebody you did love and you cared about the fact and you, were, you, you wished you could undo what had happened you think about such an event in your life And you were thinking, if only I could wind back time and undo what I did, unsay what I said. But we can't do that. But we want to thank God that he has made a way to put right those things through what he did on the cross. So while we cannot undo time and undo what we said, you can't suck back that email you should never have sent. You can't take back that Facebook post. Yeah, you might have taken it down, but it was up long enough that people have seen it. You can't take back that stuff. But you can ask for God's forgiveness and, if necessary, go and ask the person's forgiveness who was harmed through your actions. And maybe you'll have the privilege of them saying they forgive you, but maybe you won't get that. So you're going to be stuck, you're going to be trapped, or you're going to be able to let God's forgiveness come through. And to be able to receive it. Let's let's stand together because I want us to drink of this mercy. So Kyla, if you could find that song, Here is Love, Vast as the Ocean. You know, C.S. Lewis said... A person who accepts no guilt can accept no forgiveness. It's not that...
It's not that saying I'm sorry earns God's forgiveness. It's just that if you don't believe you're guilty, you don't have any need for forgiveness. You'll never ask for it and you don't want it. And so you won't receive it. And the most important thing for any human being actually is to know that you have God's favour upon your life. It's the most important thing. And, and, and then in having his favour that you're part of his family and you've become his son or daughter and you're no longer an orphan. You see, orphans have no hope of anybody to care for them or provide for them. But once you know that you have God as your father, then you have a hope of resources that you can then dispense freely and you can be very bold about that. Whether it's in your attitudes or the way you're serving other people, with money or stuff like that. You know, we, we, in this last few years, we've had a couple of really big offerings to get this building here. And, you know, I'm 60 later this year. I don't have a lot more earning years. So to give, give money out of the money you've tried to amass to pay, look after yourself in retirement, that's, that's a big thing. So, you know, when, when we're generous with money or we're generous with forgiveness, we're generous with love. To love those, to, to love someone is to believe, to have good motives towards them, to believe, to have good wishes toward them, that they would be blessed. And when it comes, comes to money, it, the cost seems very, very clear. So in giving, we were thinking, well, will God make this up? Well, I don't know whether he will, but I'm, going, I'm just going to trust that he's generous anyway. I didn't give to get. Just as Jesus said, don't, 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 don't do this to get. You know, don't, don't have a reciprocal mindset. But he said this, but I tell you this, my father rewards. To live this incredible lifestyle of doing to others what he, we would have him do to us. That is to, to bet that God is generous. It is to bank on God being generous. It is to be confident that his love, he'll pour yet more love into us. That he'll, he'll, he'll channel more resources to us. He'll, he'll send more money. That if we give up a friendship for some reason... Um, to befriend someone else who maybe isn't able to reciprocate love so well, who's maybe quite damaged or rejected, and they they give us all the kind of rejection that they're still suffering with, that we can feel confident enough of God's love that we can cope with that rejecting person as we seek to see them healed and lifted up. That's why we need to drink so deeply of God's mercy, of God's generosity. And, and, and let him come. Do you know he wants to give a much bigger basin full of, of poor, pressed down, running over into your lap? Right? Give and it will be given to you. 